we're in First uh, Timothy chapter four, and you can move to that area in the in your Bible if you want to. But l- may I please tell you of some blessings? Now, it's already mentioned, uh, but uh, that 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 our new website is up. Uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, you need to know that that there were church members who who spent hundreds absolutely hundreds of hours putting that website up. I know nothing about it. I, I don't know if you do. If you're, you're good with a computer, I am not. I can get on it, and I can do all the things I'm supposed to do when I get there, but uh, uh, it just amazes me. But to have really wonderfully gifted people in our church just spend the time to uh, upgrade our website and, and make it uh, kind of user-friendly, uh, I'm just so thankful for those who are able to do ministry and to watch what God is doing here. With that in mind, let me remind you, for those of you who have been with us for a while, how we began. We began over at the Garden Church, and that was for two weeks. That was all that uh, Pastor Crow uh, allowed, uh, could allow us. To, he, would, he would let us to be there now if, we, uh, if it could have worked out, but... But uh, he allowed us those two, first two weeks, and then we didn't know where we were going to go. And we tried different places, and we tried different churches, and, and uh, we were kind of like this uh, big gorilla, and, and kind of nobody wanted to, to uh, kind of allow us to move on in. And, and so we finally found uh, the cinema theaters, you know, over by uh, Imperial and La Palma, that, that movie theater. We found out that they were having church on, on uh, Sunday morning. Uh, there, was a, there was a church that was in there, and so we went and, and asked them, and they said, well, um, no, we already have a church in here. And uh, we said, wow, look at all this space. Um, and they said, no, it's, uh, we have a condition with, with them. Uh, it, if, if, if their pastor says it's okay with their church, it'll be fine with us. And so his, his, the pastor's name was Mark Manning. The church was Searchlight Ministries. And so we uh, went and asked him, would it be all right if we came in and had church alongside you? They didn't have a lot of people. We had uh, a few hundred. And um, he said, I would be honored to have you be at this church, at this theater with me. I'd be honored for you to have church here. And so he allowed us to move in in order to hold our services at the theater I got to meet Mark, and, and I said to him, Mark, um, I don't know what this means to you, but I give you my word. If ever you need anything, I will be there for you. Because you didn't have to let us into these theaters. You didn't have to let us have church here. Well, a couple of weeks ago, if not a few more, in fact, there's a picture of Mark and his family. Uh, I received an email from, from Mark, and their church is hit on hard times, and they can't meet. They don't have a place to meet. And he asked, if, if, do we have any extra space? And so I talked to staff about it, and, and everybody was, yes, we were on board. And, and, uh, and so you need to know, beginning next Sunday, October the 17th, um, we will be having search like Ministries will be here after our second service, after the 10 o'clock service goes till kind of noonish. They will start their service in, in, the multi, in our multi-purpose room over there from 1 o'clock on. They will have their church. 
and we are able to share with them. We're, we're not charging them. Um, yeah, that's... I told him I would not forget his kindness to us. It wasn't that I did it. It was that our church, you, we all had a part in this. But uh, he, I believe, and his family are going to come here next Sunday at one or both of our services in the morning where we can ask him to come up stage and we can pray for him. Wouldn't it be fantastic if God blessed that church through this place and it grew to be thousands upon thousands of people and and, and so many people would be reached for the cause of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be just the best? I mean, what a, what a privilege that would be. And so next Sunday, Pastor Mark and his family will be here. We'll pray for them. And then if, if you get to see him, and you, I would encourage you to, to introduce yourself and, and to uh, let them see the love of this place. And, um, and uh, we will be able to share that experience then on top of that, it seems God is at work in our midst. A couple of people in our church congregation came and told us about a group of, uh, of Koreans that um, needed a church home. And so the Lord gave us another opportunity to pray over. And after a lot of discussion, um, we became overwhelmed with these people. Just the love of Christ that they they seem to have in their lives. Uh, their pastor is Pastor Cho. And so they, uh, they asked us if we'd have a space. There's pictures of them. Some of you might have met some of them at the picnic we had. They're really sweet people. I happen to have had a, an opportunity to have a, uh, just a, a barbecue with them out in someone's in a backyard, and it was just, they're just the sweetest people. And so... Uh, Here's what we decided to do. We decided rather than to just give them space, which we are going to give them space, and just let them do their thing, we decided that we would integrate, they would integrate with us. In other words, they're going to be a part of the Rock Community Church. They're going to have their own services at 10 o'clock upstairs where our offices are. There's only about I think 25, 30, I don't know how many, but wouldn't that be something if that grew beyond our wildest dream? But their children will be a part of our children's ministry. Their students will be a part of our 180 group. Their young adults will go into Rooted. They will be fully integrated as a part of the Rock Community Church. So it's not just that we're, we're saying, yeah, we'll give you a space. We're saying, yes, come and incorporate with us to, to serve our Lord together and see what God will do. So, so I, I, my heart's really touched this morning. We have a new website up. We are able to allow Pastor Mark Manning and the Searchlight Church have a, a place to worship. And they want to worship here as, as, as long as it takes them to get back on their feet again. They don't know how long that might be. We told them it's okay. Whatever. And so they will, um, they will hopefully be looking and, 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 and saving money in the process and looking for a, uh, a facility that they can move into if that's truly what will happen. We'll see. We'll let, just let the Lord do it. With the Korean church, we, 
That'll be happening sometime around Thanksgiving, we're thinking. We don't know exactly the timing of that yet. You can pray for us about that. And then the ministry that God put on Barbara's heart of, uh, of having a food pantry. What's on your heart, by the way? What is it that God is moving in your life? I, I believe Kay told me yesterday she met with a woman up after, uh, during our service uh, at Saturday night service and this woman wants to, to purchase shoes and give people shoes that need, need shoes. Of course. Why wouldn't we do that? What about your heart? What is it that we can do? How far can we stretch ourselves to allow God to work in our midst and see us get outside of ourselves and become uh, this church that, that just will give as much as we possibly can give? Listen, you need to know that we've done everything in our hearts to try to massage our budget to make our, us be able to stay in this place. You know, uh, our... Uh, I heard a pastor once say, we have, uh, we have more, uh, gosh, I, I, I should have listened to him more closely. <laughs> he said, we have more, more days than months. Anyways, we don't have all the money either, but, but, but God does, does he not? God does. And, and so we're just going to trust in him and see what God will do in and through our life and our church. And I want you to know that... There's nothing that we don't, we don't pray about and think about you when we do it and, and ask God to bless you and bless us and see what God's going to do with this great, great church of ours. I see great things for us. I do. I, I believe this is just the tip of the iceberg. By the way, I had nothing to do with any of this, by the way. I just sat back and said, oh, you know, just, oh, my eyes got big. When Mike uh, sent me that email, that was really a, the start of it for me. I know that we had been talking with the Korean church. Just like Barbara said, she will be back. She is a Schwarzenegger, of, if anything. She is a tough one. She said she'll put you to work and she'll work you to death. I wouldn't um, test her on that if I were you. Let's get into the Word of God. It's amazing to me. Now all of this came about these announcements. I, I, don't, I didn't know all the announcements that we were going to make this week. I go home and study and and it's amazing how the Holy Spirit kind of blends everything together and, and, and fixes it so that the message is a part of what we are doing and where we are at right at this moment. Now, that doesn't always happen, but, but you're going to see today uh, the title of this message is Constantly Nourished on God's Word. It also could be, could be entitled uh, Becoming a Good Steward. These, this section of Scripture in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 it is a, a criteria, if you would, how any, any one of us are measured by a standard that God has for us, how we can become good servants of our Lord, as it says in verse 6. Read with me from verse 6 to verse 11. Tim, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's, he's really encouraging him now. He says, to Timothy, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, 
constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. Paul writes, but, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. Wait, wait, time out for just a second. I don't do this hardly ever, but Paul is so politically incorrect. They, he could get fired for that today. Paul, don't you know you don't say these things? And Paul would go, I know Paul would. Verse 7, but have nothing to do with worldly fables. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Fit only for old women. But on the other hand, he says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. He says bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness, godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for this present life and also for the life to come. He says in verse 9, this is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this that we labor and we strive because, he says, we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially believers. Prescribe and teach these things. Father, may we do that. May we be as faithful as we know how to be. May we labor and strive Father God, to have a food pantry, have a, a place that we can feed as many people as you will allow us to feed, Father God. May we have a place that, Father, we can uh, help even clothe some people and, and, and house churches, fathers, that are having difficult times, which this is very difficult for many, many churches. Giving is, is truly down, Father and it, it is hard to make ends meet, Father, for some. May we be, Father, faithful to what you have given to us, and may we make it, make it work, Father. May we make it stretch, Father, to where we can do great things beyond anything we even believed that we could do. Because, Father, as Paul wrote to Timothy, may we also fix our hope on the living God. May we build our lives around godliness which holds a promise not only for this life which we live right now but also for the one that is to come, the one that, that, that we will be with you in heaven itself. What a day that will be, Father. What a day. And so, Father, we ask your blessings on us. Already we have been blessed, Father, by being able to reach out and help others. Now, Father God, will you uh, teach us Move me aside, I beg of you, dear Father. Allow us to listen to your heart, your words, so that you might minister to our hearts and our lives. Bless our, bless our families. Bless each of us, Father, but more importantly, may we become a blessing to you. Take this time that we now concentrate on you and multiply it into our hearts and our lives. May we become like your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, in his most precious name, the name Jesus Christ, the one whom we love and worship here at this church, Father, your Son, our Lord. We ask you to bless us, Father. In Jesus' name.
Amen. You know, um, churches oftentimes, and so are pastors, often evaluated by the wrong criteria. Sometimes we, 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 we get all excited about the size of someone's the building or the number of people that attend the church or, or the pastor's educational background, the books he wrote, the radio and television exposure that he has, the popularity that he has out in the world. While these are, are I think some are significant, of course, none of them are, are what is a biblically valid criteria for accessing, for uh, evaluating a true person of God or a true church. That criteria is seen in those one, two, three, four, five, six verses we read this morning. Paul forms a standard by every one of us should be measured that we become good stewards, good servants, good followers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want you to note if you're reading this and you want to just read it, you can go right past verse 6. But if you look at verse 6 and you really take a good hard look at it, it, it says so much. It, it, Paul immediately tells Timothy, point out these things to the brethren. In other words, tell. Tell your friends, Timothy. Tell them these things. Now you might ask, what things? Well, Paul says the things, Timothy, which you have been following. Now in, in 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul wrote about, about Timothy's grandmother, Eunice, Alois, excuse me, and his mother, Eunice. And he says, Timothy, from childhood, from childhood, he said, you've known the sacred writings for which we are able to give wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Timothy says, you've known about this for a long time. So concerning our pointing things out, I want to read to you something that gives me a chill down my spine every time I look at it. It is in Ezekiel, and I will wait for you to find Ezekiel. Turn, please, to it. Now, if you don't know where Ezekiel is, don't, don't feel badly. Just find the middle of your Bible, the book of Psalms, and then turn to the right as if you were going back to the New Testament. And you'll go past uh, Isaiah, which is a big book, and, and, and Jeremiah, which is a big, big book, and then Lamentations, which is not so big, and then you'll find Ezekiel. And look at Ezekiel chapter um, 3. We are warned by God very sternly that we are to point these things. What things? Well, the things that God tells us, we are to point these things out to our friends and families, our loved ones, anyone we come in contact with. Now, these verses are just drive me. Listen to what what is written in verse 17 of Ezekiel chapter 3. God says, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. In other words, point these things out to the brethren. Now watch. Look at verse 18. God says, When I say to the wicked... You will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked way. 
that he may live, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, in his sin. But, God says, his blood I'm going to require at your hand. You get the importance of telling others? Verse 19, yet, if you have warned the wicked, and he doesn't turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked ways, he's going to die in his sin, but you have delivered yourself. Verse 20 and 21 are quite similar. When a righteous man turns away, verse 20, from his righteousness, and he commits iniquity or sin, and I place an obstacle before him, he'll die. And since you have not warned him, he's going to die in his sin. And his righteous deeds, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I'm going to require at your hand. However, he says in verse 21, if you've warned him, if you've warned this righteous person that the righteous should not sin, and he doesn't sin, he'll surely live because he took your warning. And you, you have delivered yourself And so I read these verses every once in a while out of Ezekiel because they tell of the unmeasurable importance for you and I to tell others of what we know to be truth. God has commanded you and me to go and tell. And tell what? Tell His words. Express His warnings. The other night I was with a group of people, some younger people, and I absolutely had a great night Really great night. Just young people so alive. And one of the young persons asked me uh, concerning this issue of telling others. He says, what do you do when you kind of turn people off? You, you realize that you're turning people off. You're, you're telling them too much. And I say, I, I get it. I, I totally get that. I, I had turned my friends off. In fact, one of my friends came to me and said, you know, we don't want to be around you too much anymore. All you do is talk about Jesus, Jesus this, and Jesus that. You know, you're getting to be overwhelming with this religious stuff. And, and, and guys don't want you around. And I went to the Lord and I, I asked him and I prayed and I said, Father, what should I do? I don't want to turn people off. I, I want to be obedient to you, but I, I don't want to make it so difficult that they don't, they don't want to hear anymore and their hearts will become hardened. I don't, I don't want to do that, Father. And so it came to me, this, this issue, I asked, I told him, I said, you know that I'll, I'll share with anybody, anytime, anywhere. But next time I go to this event with these, with these guys, Father, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be quiet. And what I'd appreciate, if you would, Father, that you'd bring those to me that want to hear. That you've, you've, you've kind of brought out, and you've, you want them to hear right now, and you know, darn, if I didn't go to this party and about five different people came to me and said, tell us about your faith, your religion. And I said, boy, you know, in my heart I was saying, Lord, you're amazing. You're absolutely amazing. And, and so I shared that with this young, young man and I said, maybe that would be something you might think of doing. In pointing these things out, if we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul says you and I will become good servants of Jesus Christ. The word good is K-A-L-O-S in the Greek. It could be translated noble, uh, admirable, excellent. Whereas the word servant is D-I-A-K-O-N-O-S. But 
But it's, it's also contrasted with another word called doulos. D-U-L-O-S. D-O-U-L-O-S. Doulos is translated slave. I have a hat that says doulos on it. I, I want... I would like to live my, my life as a slave of my Savior, Jesus Christ. That idea of doulos, or servant, has the idea of one who is willing to submit, one who is willing to be obedient, no matter the cost. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, Let people regard you and me in this fashion, as a servant or a slave of Jesus Christ, a steward of the mysteries of God. It says in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 4, in this case, moreover, it is required, it is required of a steward, a servant, a slave of our Lord. It is required of us that we be found trustworthy or faithful or obedient. I like that verse. It is required of me that I would become trustworthy of my Lord. Okay, then. Back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. How in the world do you and I consistently walk in this trustworthiness? How do we become faithful, obedient servants of our Lord? Paul tells us, which really you and I should know by now. Paul says in verse 6, Be consistently, consistently, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and on sound doctrine, which Paul states, you, you have been following. We have been. We haven't shirked our responsibility here at this church to teach you the Word of God. You've been following these things, at least you should be. We haven't shirked that responsibility. We don't have to worry that anyone's blood is on our hands. We've been faithful to preach the Word of God. We've been faithful not to to duck or hide from any hard verses. We've been faithful to preach the Word of God. You have been following these things, I hope. And so there's no great secret to being a trustworthy, faithful, obedient Christian. All you and I need to do is constantly nourish ourselves on the Word of God, period. Case closed. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Be diligent. Present yourselves approved to God. Be a work person who doesn't need to be ashamed handling accurately the word of truth. That's what we ought to try to strive to become. People who can accurately handle the word of God so that we can tell others, that we can point these things out. Being faithful to our God, to watch Him do great and mighty things. In this growth process, Paul says in verses 7, 8, 9 of 1 Timothy, have nothing to do with worldly fables, though. Let's take a look at that word in a moment. And then Paul, politically incorrect, in my opinion, says fit only for old women. I I don't know why he wrote that. For the sake of me, I don't know why. But on the other hand, he says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. 
He says that bodily, in other words, bodily discipline and exercising, it's only of a little profit. It's not that it's not profitable. We ought to stay in shape. I haven't done very well at that. I've really fallen. You don't need to know that, but I'm, I'm watching TV the other day. just saw this guy walk on the thing. Man, he looks so fit. And I thought, man, I'd love to be like that. I would love to be like that. As I reached over and grabbed another chip on my couch. and <laughs> Exactly. I don't really love to be like that. If I'd love to be like that, I'd be outside running, not inside watching. But he says bodily discipline is only of a little profit. What is really profitable in your life and my life is godliness. Godliness, he says, is profitable for all things because it holds the promise for this life in which we live and also for the life to come, that place called heaven. And Paul says this is a trustworthy statement. It deserves full acceptance. So he says rather than talking about worldly fables, we are to cry out, we're to warn people of God's forever truth. Look what Paul says to Timothy. I I was reminded of this. I I couldn't remember. I knew I'd seen it, and I didn't know exactly where, but I read through this book of Timothy a few times, and, and I was reminded it's right at the end. That's right. Paul was saying these things basically to Timothy right at the end of this letter. Look at chapter 6. Look what Paul says to Timothy as he closes out this letter to him. And you're going to see the importance of verses, chapter 4, verses 7, 8, and 9, in and through chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. He says in verse 20 of chapter 6, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. In other words, all of these things that I have told you, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you and avoid worldly and empty chatter. In other words, worldly fables, avoid these types of things. And and avoid, he says, the opposing arguments of what is falsely called, quote-unquote, knowledge which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. And then Paul simply writes to Timothy, Grace, or God's unmerited favor, be with you, Timothy. In verse 7 of chapter 4, the word worldly is B-E-B-E-L-O-S. It describes what is radically opposite of what we would call holy. It refers, worldly refers to anything that contradicts the word of God. Whereas the word fables is where it's out of the, the Greek word, the Greek name of it is M-U-T-H-O-S, which we get the word myth. Myth is the opposite of biblical truth. Now please turn with me to the right to 2 Timothy chapter 4, just for a moment. Let's take a look at, 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 at what clearly is worldly fables. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it describes very clearly where the church will go if you and I are not careful. He says, Paul does, to Timothy, there will be a time, a time will come when they, they meaning the people who gather together in a church atmosphere, they will not endure sound doctrine but rather they will want to have their ears tickled. In other words, entertain me. In other words, 
Tell me other things. Entertain me. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. In other words, their own desires means, of course, their desires, not God's desires. There will come a time where people will want to have their ears tickled. They won't want to hear the truth of God's word. They will not want to know what it says in here, but rather they'll want to have to be entertained. Don't preach me the hard truth. Makes me feel uncomfortable, they will say it. They will accumulate for themselves teachers according to their own desire, not God's desire. And look at verse 4. They will turn away. They will turn away their ears from the truth. And they will turn aside to myths. Those things that are opposite. To the truth. Worldly fables. Guard yourself from that. Protect yourself. Protect our church that we, that we are faithful to preach the Word of God. That we are faithful to give you this sound doctrine rather than worldly fables and tickle your ears with entertainment. Back in in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul then sarcastically describes these worldly fables as stories that are fit only for old women. I, I, don't, I, I really don't understand. what I don't get it. There isn't a commentary that, that, that explains that to me. Um, it just seems disrespectful, but how could I say that of Paul? He's my hero. But he's not very politically correct. Would you not agree? But what he is saying is these fables will not profit us anything. On the other hand, Paul says in verse 7, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Bodily discipline is of little profit. It's profitable, but just a little. It just takes care of your body. But godliness, oh my goodness, he says, godliness is profitable. It holds the promise for, for this life in which we live, and it, it holds the promise for the life to come. We were told in verse 6 to constantly nourish ourselves on the word of faith and sound doctrine. And so we are told in verses 7 and 8, therefore discipline yourself. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, because it is profitable in your life today and forever. Now the word discipline there is very interesting. It, it is where we get the, it is G-U-M-N-A-Z-O, we get the word gymnasium from it. It means to, to train or to exercise yourself vigorously. What Paul is trying to tell them and us is that spiritual self-discipline is the key to a godly life. I want you to see this. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me tell you what I think about Paul. I think Paul was a, was a big sports fan. I do, Jimmy. I, I, think, that he, yeah, I think that he loves sports because he's, he gives a lot of examples in his preaching through, through sports. And I, They had the Olympic Games there in Athens, and I'm sure that he, he went to the Olympic Games. I'm sure that he, he, he just concentrated on those things, and he, I, I'm sure he got a lot of interest in it. Now, I don't think, personally, he was an athlete himself. We are told that he was short, he was bow-legged. Uh, he probably wasn't athletic, but he loved athletics. 
He loved athletics. And he gives this example in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one will receive the prize? Therefore, he says, verse 24, run in such a way that you'll win. In other words, train diligently so you might win the race. He says in verse 25, everyone who competes in the games, the Olympic Games, I'm sure that he was talking about, that he, he watched in Athens, exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. In other words, they, they put this wreath on their head and that's perishable. It'll go away. But we, we run to win an imperishable wreath. Therefore, Paul says in verse 26, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not just beating the air. Rather, he says, I discipline my body. In other words, I train myself vigorously and I make my body my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. That's a great verse. That's a great verse. So uh, Paul argues that, the, back please to 1 Timothy 4, and let's close down. Paul argues that, quote unquote, this stuff, uh, this, this stuff that we are to point out these things to others, he says it's, verse 9, trustworthy. It's, it's deserving full acceptance. Verse 10, that we ought to labor and strive for it. In verse 11, we are to prescribe. That word prescribes means to command. It, it should be authoritative. We ought to prescribe it and teach it. Yes, teach it. Let's read verse 10 in its entirety. It says, For it is for this that we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially believers. Labor is K-O-P-I-A-O. -O. It, it means to work to a point of weariness or exhaustion. The word strive is A-G-O-N-I-Z-O-M-I-A. -I -I it means to agonize. We are to work to the point of exhaustion, to agonize over this, this godliness, this disciplining ourselves to become the man and the woman of God that God has called us to become. Now, why would a person labor and strive so hard to some who for the most part grumble at their work. He says in verse 10, because we've fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men. In other words, we're to serve God, not men. And why serve God? Because our hope, our hope is not motivated by the gratification that people might bring to us or or the immediate fulfillment that we might receive here on this earth. No, our, our hope is fixed on the living God. I found two great verses. I, I mean, I found these two verses in Romans, the 8th chapter. Listen to them, please. Paul writes, In hope we have been saved. This is Romans 8.24. In hope we have been saved. But he says, Hope... That, has, that, has, that, that is seen is not hope. 
For who hopes, he says, for what he already has seen? No, he says, if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. You see, godliness, as it says in verse 8 of 1 Timothy chapter 4, holds the promise not only for this life in which you and I now live, but also for in the life that is to come. The rewards for serving our God are eternal. I can say to you with all honesty, I have never once even thought about rewards in heaven. I wouldn't even know how to preach you that message. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I do know that we're supposed to receive something for what we've done, but it says immediately we, we lay these rewards at our Lord's feet. I, I like that. I, I just don't, I don't get why there needs to be any reward in heaven. People, you and I do not serve a, a dead, worldly idol for earthly rewards. We serve the eternally living and true God for results and rewards that that will only be known in heaven itself. It says, Our God is the Savior of all men. That's temporal. In other words, He is your Savior if, if you'll believe in Him right now. But He is also, it says, the Savior of especially believers. That's the spiritual sense. See, you, all of us who have trusted in Christ, we are saved all believers have been delivered from the penalty of sin forever. Since, not if, since we have believed in Him, especially believers. Dr. McGee uses this example, and I'll close with this. He said he was in LAX. I'm not going to quote this verbatim. I'll tell you the way I remember it. He was in the Los Angeles airport, and he was sitting there waiting to, to go somewhere, and he was watching planes just take off one after another. It seemed to go almost every minute, he wrote. And as he was watching these planes, he said, you know, he says, people are going all over this world. He said, I can go anywhere I want. I could go anywhere I want right now. I can get on any one of those planes right now, and I can go anywhere I want in this world. He says, all I need is a what? Ticket. All I need is a ticket. Then he wrote, as only Dr. McGee can, he says, you, you have that ticket. You have that eternal ticket that will take you to heaven itself. You are, if you choose to believe, you are believers in Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of you and me. Since He is our Savior, He asks us to, to go and tell people, point out these things that we have been learning and what we have been following. Discipline ourselves. Discipline ourselves so that we can become godly people. Self-discipline, He says, is profitable just a little bit. But godliness... Godliness, he says, is, is profitable for everything because it holds the promise of today and forever. Well, I love you folks more than I can tell you. I think it is our greatest privilege on the face of this earth to be believers in Jesus Christ. He asks us to go and tell people, tell people of who He is. He has warned us 
He has warned us and them that if they don't come to Christ, they're going to die in their sins. Let's not have their blood on our hands. Let's go and tell. Best we can, let's go and tell. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to thank you for this church. Father, for our website, for our food pantry, for the two churches that we are going to help plant here in this building that we have. For Pastor Mark, his church, the Searchlight Church, and for Pastor Cho and the congregation that will become a part of the Rock Community Church. Father, we are obedient as best we know how to the things that you've asked of us. We're trying to bless you, Father, and in return you're blessing us beyond measure. Thank you for that privilege, Father. Now bless us as we go from here, wherever it is that you might take us today, Father. May we be a blessing to you. And may we be that light in this community in which we live so that people might know and sense the wonders of this Christ that we know and believe and trust in. Thank you for your Son, Father. May we be uh, not ashamed of what he has done in our lives. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all so much. Thanks for being here this morning. Pretty nice morning, huh? Pretty nice morning. God bless you. Have a great, great day.